how are you, Ed? Uh, fantastic. What a great result. What a great performance. What a great atmosphere. Um, brilliant night at Old Trafford last night. Yeah, so one or two talking points. Uh, so before we get to that exciting stuff, um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, we played them, we were rubbish, we won 1-0. Brilliant goal from Paul Scholes, 100th goal. Uh, yeah, it was one of those frustrating performances. Uh, in the first half, United just couldn't string a pass together. Um, Wolves uh, were, I'd say, I'd, unlucky not to go in at a goal ahead. Uh, maybe unlucky is the wrong word. If they could actually finish, they certainly would have. Uh, yeah, somehow United came through that game with a win. Uh, certainly better in the second half. Uh, very disjointed for the first 45 put it together especially especially after Diouf came on not not that um, he covered himself in glory you know, missed uh, what, three or four chances um, but he just gave a little more purpose to the attack stretched the play Berbatov wasn't so isolated who I, by the way I thought had an outstanding game he's clearly United's best player but he was you know very much on his own up front but somehow they, they got away with it I mean Wolves missed what one free header in the first half and then just an open goal uh, in injury time and we're very lucky, but uh, there you go. They're, those are the things that win you championship. That's what they say. Um, I, I did. Yeah, you're wondering afterwards. Is that like a brilliant championship-winning type of performance, or just indicative of the real problems uh, that that there still are? But if uh, anything nudges it towards being more the kind of champions grinding out a result than us being in some terrible doldrums, it was last night's performance against Milan. Uh, what did what did you make of that, Ed? It was it was it was awesome. I mean, I have to say, much like the game in uh, in Milan itself three weeks ago, United could have been a goal or two behind um, in a, the first few minutes. I mean, for ten minutes, Milan a couple of you know excellent diagonal balls, and they could have been uh, in behind us. And and obviously, uh, Ronaldinho missed that header just went inches wide of. Van der Sar's post and it could have been a very different story but from then on United completely dominated uh, the pattern of the play I mean they certainly didn't keep the ball as much as Milan did uh, but Milan kept the ball in, you know, very well in sort of defensive areas and then as soon as it came to the, the, the final third it broke down and United were able to hit uh, Milan on the break and obviously after um, Rooney had scored and what a fantastic cross that was from Neville that uh, that changed the the nature of the game completely because then Milan had to attack and you kind of felt it broke their spirit and they didn't believe they could get back into it. No, they 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 really didn't. I, I mean, it really did look like they the kind of all the wind went out of their sails all in one go. Um, actually, United started quite brightly the first three or four minutes. It was a terrific start um, and Gary Neville was keeping Ronaldinho in check and then and yeah, I just I just tweeted great start from the mighty man united and then quite quickly it, milan had their little kind of 10 minutes where they where they were on top but yeah what a fantastic ball and i mean a lot's been talked about rooney scoring headers recently how could you not notice it's an extraordinary run um headed goal after headed goal but that was some header you know, because it was a fantastic cross, but but he put that in. Ex- he just everything about that header was perfect. Yeah, well, that's that's practice. Yeah, I, I don't think he's naturally the you know a great header of the ball. He, he doesn't seem to have this huge spring. He's not known for it, but he's obviously practicing, practicing, practice, and he's putting him in the right place. And and the the delivery he's getting from the wide area, especially from Valencia, but last night from Neville. Um, was yeah yeah it was excellent and he's really profiting from that eight eight of his last nine goals now uh, headers 
and yeah, that it's not it's a freak, but it, it's not by accident. No, and and Valencia obviously a huge part of that. Um, yeah, he he really has been, and uh, I I think he's been more than consistent this season. I think he's he's grown in confidence clearly, and he he's just a really dangerous player, and he's uh, he's in there on merit, and um, we don't need to compare him with Ronaldo. That's gone different era. Uh, he's you know he's a Manchester United player on merit and doing very well. Absolutely, um, and really there there wasn't a weak link in the team last night. It didn't look like. I mean Gary Neville. It was fantastic cross. Occasionally, he looks, you know, obviously he's he, he isn't the the for, the defensive force that he was, and he did then try and play five similar crosses, pretty much all of which flew over the bar. So yeah, yeah and was... and Nani was frustrating as well, and uh, he had that sort of run of games in January where he played really well. Then he got sent off, and then he just hasn't quite been the same since. And he's pretty poor against uh, against Wolves as well. Um, but... What a ball! Because at pass. half, yeah, at, at half time, um, Neil, I think it was Neil the Viking tweeted, um, just like brilliant. What a brilliant first half! The only kind of downside to it was Nani's form, but then absolutely phenomenal pass for Rooney. And I thought Nani grew in the second half. He had a pretty good second half, all in all. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I mean, um, it suited him because, of course, United played on the break and, and he was able to use his pace and he moves well on, you know, in, into, uh, you know, without the ball. Um, and, yeah, Ronaldo-esque the pass, wasn't it, outside of the foot, just just beautifully weighted and uh, you know, just made the goal for Rooney. He really didn't have to do much. No, but what he did, he he might not have had to do much, but he did it very well. It was very efficient. Still a very nice finish from Rooney. Um, and then the uh, the other two goals were both pretty good too. It was uh, it's two players who I enjoy watching score for very different reasons. Park because you can never quite believe he's going to score because uh, it happens so infrequently, and Darren Fletcher because he's Manchester United's most important midfielder. Right, and and well, Park Park played a very different role last night because played um uh, you know the right side of a of a three. He didn't he didn't play out on the wing, and I thought he had an excellent game. His energy was really important for United. Obviously, Ferguson singled him out for praise after the game, and I thought his his goal was both well taken and well deserved. And you're right, you're right. His finishing's not his strong point, but um. I think he's had a you know some good games recently, and uh, he'll be an important player in the running towards the end of the season. And obviously, Ferguson trusts him, so he plays him in a lot of the very big games. And then um, Fletcher, yeah, uh, great pass from Raphael Beckham-esque, you might say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he didn't he really have to do much, did he? Just nod it in as the uh, Milan uh, defense went to sleep yet again. Um, and and really last night. As good as it was on the pitch, um, it is only, in inverted commas, AC Milan, who are a very ageing side, and we obviously had a good lead. Um, obviously, things broke well for us early to, to kind of get that euphoric performance. Um, and it was reflective of how good this team can be when its first 11 or close to are playing. You know, I'd say the first maybe 12 to 15, depending on on who you take out and put into the mix. We, we we do still look like an absolute world-beating side. And Vidic and Ferdinand together at the back... Makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah they're just a just lot, lot of solidity, a lot of confidence uh, from having those two there. And I think it's just keep them fit. And we've got a shot at everything. Um, that's it. That's it. That's exactly what it is, isn't it? We we Last night made it look like something which I did not think we'd be saying at Christmas come March... It looks like we might have a shot at everything. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 um, I had a few beers with a, a good friend of mine um, on Tuesday night, um, United supporter, and uh, we, we were both discussing the game beforehand, and we both predicted a heavy win for United. And of course, I should have put it on the record, but I, I don't think this Milan side's very good at all. Um, and I thought that the way United picked them apart in the first leg, uh, something like this could happen if, if we scored early. Um, and that, that's the way it turned out. And uh, I, I think there are some, some way short of, of uh, Inter um, in Italian terms and Inter are some way short of the best in European terms. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly get tougher uh, examinations than this. And um, Happily, not from Real Madrid. You know, what must uh, Cristiano Ronaldo be thinking now? Yeah, I can't believe Madrid have gone out at this stage of the Champions League. That's so unlike them. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's six years since they made a quarterfinal. Incredible for a club of their stature and, uh, well, and the amount of money they spend. But, of course, um, last night wasn't really about Ronaldo. Uh, it was about his predecessor, David Beckham. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, because uh, there was a lot of talk leading up to the game. Like, oh, Beckham won't won't overstage the oca- upstage the occasion. But boy, did he ever succeed in upstaging the occasion. I know. Well, what do you have? Just short, shy of half an hour. He, he had a very good half an hour on the pitch, mind you. Oh, he looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, for a start, they stuck him on the right wing, which helps. They played him in central midfield last last time out against United. And he sat on the bench ever since. Um, yeah. But yeah, put him on the right, give him the ball at his feet. He can still deliver as good as anything. And, and that's what he did. And he, he created a couple of really good opportunities. Obviously, he had that, that shot on the volley. Went uh, straight at Van der Sar, you know, a yard either side, and that would have ripped the net off, I'd have thought. Um, and, 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 and then the denouement after coming off the pitch. Um, Amazing. To pick up the green and gold scarf. And uh, it's funny, he's kind of distanced himself from it a little bit today. He said that, uh, you know, the, who owns the club is not his business, he's just a fan. But th- this guy's smarter than people give him credit for. He's uh, He knows just how iconic that image was. Um, and he did it on purpose. And, uh, yeah, well done, David Beckham. Well, do you think, I mean, you say he's smarter than people think he is. Does anyone think David Beckham's anything other than pretty smart? I don't know. That kind of media image of him, the old kind of caricature of Beckham as being, like, thick as two short planks, that that's disappeared from the popular consciousness, hasn't it? Everyone knows that David Beckham's a pretty smart individual. Uh, and he has a very sure populist touch, and uh, yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing with his, his own personal brand. It um, was... It was like genuinely one of my personal sporting highlights of all time the reception that Beckham got when he walked onto the pitch at Old Trafford last night there was it, a, there was a tear in the eye Aww. it was absolutely amazing um just just i mean yeah okay so circumstances kind of formed themselves perfectly there was no way Milan were going to win we were at liberty to freely cheer opposition players as much as we liked but just the 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 rapturous kind of standing ovation and then massive full all round the ground chance of there's only one David Beckham and Fergie sign him up. And like you hear those kind of round the ground chants so infrequently at Old Trafford that they sound amazing when you do hear him. And then just the first time he touched the ball, completely instantaneously, everybody booed genius, yeah. pure genius. Uh, it, it was a, a nice, nice bit of humour, wasn't it? For the, well, the, the Old Trafford crowd is uh, is prob- probably the best um, for kind of uh, dry wit, I'd say. And uh, yeah, it showed itself again there. I, I, I thought it was a fantastic occasion. I mean, um, 
we've spoken about uh, on the pod before and 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 prior to that the circumstances in which Beckham left the club were not entirely um savory i mean he he had almost certainly been negotiating a contract and and the club wanted him out or Ferguson wanted him out so um but but i think we've you know we've heard from him in the last few weeks how uh, he wished he was uh, still a united player and he misses it every day and i think he's very genuine in that in that um in that belief and uh, you know he's he's one of us and you know it should the red knights um ever be able to put a bid together uh, we'd we'd love beckham to be part of it the uh, before the match i try and avoid the pre-match build up on itv but i didn't succeed in doing that and i saw a little clip of him being interviewed and he was asked about wayne rooney as everyone always is these days and uh, he said what advice would they interview said what advice would you give to Wayne Rooney and he said stay at Manchester United <laughs> you know and that's that that you know you say it's genuine he's genuine about that and when you kind of couch it in terms of being advised to someone else um it really does kind of have the ring of truth that that yeah he, he clearly wishes he he could have stayed and it's fantastic to be given an occasion like that to kind of celebrate his contribution to the club because he, he was a fantastic servant of Manchester United while he was there and you know the bond that was formed between him and us in the season after he got sent off in the World Cup you know that that's obviously obviously runs deep yeah well we we do look after our own don't we and um we certainly did then he he got a hero's welcome every time you know actually um my uh at the time uh my season ticket was uh sort of uh northwest corner ish and uh, every time he got a um yeah he went over to take a corner the uh, uh, you know, people bowing down and giving him as much applause as possible and i uh, yeah i i guess we uh, genuinely got him through that tough time it was it was fantastic and and like you say the the it was an iconic night in the anti glazer campaign regardless of beckham picking up that scarf at the end i was already completely like swept away on the breadth and depth of protest that night yeah and it and seems the... like the stewards have given up as well they, they, yeah. they're not gonna but it's just it's uh it's gone past the tipping point now there were the huge banners there uh the massive green and gold flag thousands upon thousands of scarves um it's uh it, it's something they can't stop um and in fact they'd make things worse if they did try it so the spirit of the campaign is seems to be it's interesting Ferguson said you know before the game well we'll all unite whether they're wearing red scarves or green and gold scarves they'll be united behind the team and that's so clearly the case that chorus of we'll keep the red flag flying high with the green and gold scarves waving and the love united hate glazer two banners and the massive green and gold flag it, it, you know that was that was another hairs on the back of the net moment last night yeah and it's it's good that a couple of the the Glazer brothers were there to witness it. Yeah, uh, not not that there could be any doubt of the strength of feeling, but um, but it is good. But but uh, pertinent pertinent um, you know, things said by um Duncan Drasdo, who's obviously uh, CEO of of Must today. Uh, it, this is the moment the fans have to seize the uh, the opportunity. So at some point we are going to be asked to put our hands in our pockets and then come up with some money. And I think realistically fans are not going to come up with a hundred million pounds i mean we're not going to get a hundred thousand united fans putting a thousand pounds into a pot it's not going to happen much as everyone might wish it so realistically there's not a huge amount of money but people are going to be asked to get involved at least and that might be putting money into 
a bid might be pledging not to renew your season ticket it might just be protesting it might be not buying commercial merchandise or, or whatever it's going to be when there's uh, when the bids uh, closer to being formulated um fans are going to play a very important role in that there's an absolutely fantastic article on view from tier three that's view from tier three dot blogspot dot com just just about about last night and about about the fact that the glazers were there it's 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 well worth a read but yeah on 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 the point of at some point there's no sacrifice involved in wearing a green and gold scarf and chanting and showing banners and it's fantastic that Must's membership has rocketed in the way that it has, but it's no coincidence that that's happened at the time when it's become free, um, because, again, it's no sacrifice to join Must for free. Um, at some point, you're right, the, the very, very likelihood is that some sacrifice will have to be involved. Yeah, a, a few things do need to come together. Obviously, uh, obviously, the the Knights have appointed Nomura, and that was announced officially today. They're a Japanese investment bank, and Guy Dawson was heavily involved in advising the United Board on the Glazer takeover previously. Um, uh, of course, Nomura were quite heavily involved with Must at that time um, because Must discussed borrowing heavily to buy the club, and they'd have uh, enacted a, a, you know, a highly leveraged model in a, almost exactly the same way that the Glazers have done, and, and for that reason they rejected doing that, which they might regret, I suppose, uh, now, because at least uh, at least money would be disappearing to pay down that debt and and not into the, the Glazers' back pockets. Um, but having having said that, so clearly some people with some you know insider knowledge of, of what happened five years ago and w- with the knowledge to pull together these disparate groups, you know, so the Knights are four or five key people and then we think up to 70 other high net worth individuals have prepared money in they've in fact uh, well in fact it's been reported that they've turned away a couple of very uh, wealthy investors who prepared to put you know hundreds of millions in simply because they were not united fans um and you know the idea oh. is to take this back into fan ownership in some way and, and so, so they're very, they're very, very serious about it. Um, but that all the financing needs to come together, and that's that's not easy by any means. The fans have to get involved, and if the Glazers are unwilling to sell, and I, I don't actually believe they're not willing to sell. I think the economics of a, a leveraged buyout always mean they're willing to sell. It's about the price, um, but they have to be persuaded, and that might be through uh, some kind of you know financial force, such as. You mean such as a boycott of some sort? Yeah, yeah. Revenues uh, are what matters the most, right? And and a few things. I mean, obviously, the um, the five hundred million pound bond has secured secured their position in in a way. Um, mainly, that was about um, refinancing, not because they were about to go bust, but because they wanted to take be able to take more money out of the club. So. We know that the club will be a cash cow to them over the next seven years. They'll pay down their picks, which is their only exposure, um, and then they can start taking out as much money as they want. So, um, but but um, in August, uh, the interest on the picks goes up. This is why refinancing now happens. They have to. Uh, it's it's a penal at the moment. It's fourteen and a bit percent going up to sixteen percent. Um, so that's what they're going to do as soon as they possibly can. Having said that. The only way you make money in in uh, in buyouts uh, is is by selling, um, mm. or you, you 
there's there's uh, there's ways you can pay yourself dividends, but it's not effectively what they're doing, uh, having to pay off so much debt. So they do need to sell, and revenues are 64% up. That means the multiplier for the final price will be significantly higher. I think it's a lot higher than the mooted 800 million pounds that uh, some you know red knights have sort of suggested or has been leaked or you know, reporters have been briefed on. Um, so yeah, the economics are, are not easy. When you say significantly more, are we talking a billion or a billion and a half? I mean, at what point? I tried to ask this the other week, and I either didn't understand the question, understand the answer, or we didn't get quite to the bottom of it. At what point does it become more personally financially lucrative to the Glazers to sell the club rather than milk it for the cash cow that they've set it up? So, um, so the the important figure there is the, the amount that turnover has risen in the in the five years they've had it. So, sixty four percent up. So you'd expect. Uh, a similar uplift in the multiplier. So multiply turnover by something like five times or something. I think that was about the uh, the multiplier for the original buyout, so they'd probably expect that. Um, turnover's uh, 278 million this year. Five times that gives you yeah, 1.2 and a bit billion. You know, maybe, maybe. Now it's complicated a little bit more because there's debt involved, so, and the Glazers would want a a a return on their initial investment which was 272 million obviously we know at least 100 million of that was leveraged because that came from commerce bank probably the rest of it was too but through first allied um which is uh one of the corporations they own its property company not doing very well in the states um so they might want something like 500 million or something like let's say that which is you know not unreasonable given the uh they've held the company for five years and the rise in revenues. If yep. we're talking about 1.2 and a bit, there might be another 750 million to find. Um, obviously, debt comes off the price, so we might you know, take 500 million bond off that, uh, basically. So you're talking about 750 million pounds cash. This is just a guess. Um, in order to buy them out, which is a lot yep. of money. That it at, is at 10 million pound a pop. That's 75 investors. You know, fifty investors at fifteen million pound ago, and 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 you know, and so on. So it's uh, it's not simple by any means the economics of uh, of buying United. And and that's the sort of amount where it's more profitable for the Glazers, more personally financially lucrative for them than keeping the club and milking it as a cash cow, because obviously you remove a huge element of risk at that point. Um, and also, I would have thought you could do an awful lot with that kind of money in this kind of economy. A, a huge cash injection must be kind of something fairly desirable at the moment, no? Um, um, well, that, that this was a point that was um, mooted on uh, the Andy Green, AndersRed.blogspot.com. Um, so he, he was uh, speculating that their property business might not be doing very well. Uh, there's been... Uh, quite a few foreclosures um occupancy rates are significantly down um unfortunately uh the first allied corporation is uh, privately held and they don't file accounts in the same way they do in the uk so don't have that information but some of the groups um uh, under first allied or similar groups have suffered quite um badly so uh you know, we can assume that First Allied probably have too. They might have had to recapitalize. They might have had to borrow to do that. Might be one of the reasons um, 
why they've started taking loans out of the club and uh, signed a new contract with the club to um, to provide consultancy fees. You know, yeah, United pay them two point nine million pounds a season to uh, for the pleasure of having them on the board. So uh, it <laughs> might be they're not doing very well. And uh, LBOs, uh, the the way you make money is to sell it on, right? You 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 right, raise the turnover, you cut costs, you increase profits, increase your multiplier, you sell it on. Uh, they keep saying they're a long-term investor, but that you, you, you're not a long-term investor if you're paying £45 million in interest payments per season. No, absolutely. Um, so, essentially, it's just a question of, of whether or not um, the Red Knights or some alternative group or some alternative construction or approach can can raise that kind of money. Um, the, the talk of uh, fan ownership in the case of the Red Knights, am I right in thinking that that's just because they're fans? That's that's why it's fan ownership because yeah. fans are the ones who own the club. It's so. Not really um, like... I think I mean this is one of the the doubts around the Red Knights is that they haven't um, really given any transparency on what their potential business model might be. Now it, yeah. it might be that they put most of the money in, and um, they ask fans to put some money in and fans holder have a small shareholding it might be there's some kind of share buyback scheme where fans can over time through an organization like must buy more shares and yeah. they and they'll dilute their, their the knights will dilute their shareholding um uh, but it's not going to be one member one vote like barcelona or something like that the, the economics of that don't stack up unless every single united season ticket holder is about to you know take out a loan for ten thousand pounds um, this is not going to happen, right? No. Um, so uh, we don't know the exact model. It won't be fan ownership in the in the way it's it's done in Spain and and Germany, um, but it it might be, you know, the everyday fans have some say, um, and uh, have the opportunity to buy in, even if it's on a small level, um, and that the people putting the most money in are also fans. So yeah. But we don't know what their exit strategy is either. We don't know if they'll want to sell and you can get consolidation. Don't know if they'll want to refloat. And obviously that brings risk of purchase at a later date. Um, and we don't know what kind of guarantees there'll be in place to ensure that this kind of thing never happens again. And that's all hypothetical because we don't know that they'll be able to put together a successful bid yet. No, but we, we I think it's fair to say, I don't know, as the uh, proprietor of unitedrant.co.uk, is it something that you instinctively welcome? I mean, maybe not even instinctively. Is it something you welcome? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I caveated that by saying we, we don't know what their business model is. And I think that's yeah. pretty important because the problem with the Glazers, aside from they're just in it because it's a business for them, is that their their business model is, is you know screwing over the club in, in one way. So we need yeah. to make sure that there is a solid and realistic business model behind a night's bid when it comes. Um, and they do have the financing in place and, and debt is at a minimum and there's a plan to pay it down there will be some debt within the company it just seems inevitable that there will be um, uh, n- not least because uh, uh, to early redeem the uh, the bond is uh, 121% of face value so you know that's 100 million pounds you're just chucking down the toilet there mm. um uh, so uh, yeah, we don't know those uh, things yet and uh, I guess that's what they've appointed Nomura to do to advise on how to do it and pull the groups together um, so there's a you know, strategy for in the coming months and it will be months rather than weeks 
uh, putting an offer to the Glazers and at least you know getting them to the negotiation table. Well, let's let's see how it pans out. It's going to be interesting to watch. So I think we should end um, by talking about on the pitch stuff because uh, that that once again, I mean, I guess it's inevitable really that this, these are the key issues surrounding Manchester United at the moment, and uh, that's what United rant is about, isn't it? Dealing with the key issues. But let's talk about on the pitch. What's next for the boys in red? Uh, Sunday afternoon kick-off against Fulham. Uh, obviously, they, they turned us over. Pretty embarrassing result at Craven Cottage earlier this season. 3-0 to Fulham. And, uh, you know, um, Roy Hodgson's done a really great job. Uh, I, I think two key things here. One, one um, United, uh, obviously, on a massive high after after winning last night. Um, also, uh, Fulham are playing tonight. They, they're away at Juventus, so... They have day less rest. They're travelling away. Um, they don't have a big squad. They they're going to want to put on a good show. They don't want to be embarrassed in Turin, so they'll be playing their full squad. And um, I think that will probably tell. And uh, we ought to get a a United win. They're uh, playing, of course, tonight in the Merseyside Memorial Trophy. <laughs> nice. Yes, Merseyside Channel 5. Um, oh. although, although, of course, Liverpool are playing tonight and they're playing Lille and uh, first leg of that side. And that's, uh, that's no easy fixture for them, especially uh, given the, the current state of that side. <laughs> they were woeful. Did you see any of the game against Wigan? I, 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 I watched we... it all, actually. Yeah, they were embarrassing. Uh, Gerard was rubbish. Um, I, I think he should have been facing some FA action. I mean, not only was it a... Uh, coward's uh, tackle, the scissor tackle. I mean, it is a coward's tackle that one. Um, he then uh, he he, uh, he told the uh, linesman to to go forth and multiply. Uh, did the same to the referee and then stuck two fingers in his face. You're not allowed to do that. No, no. Fun, funnily enough, I mean, uh, if I was the ref, I'd have pulled out a straight red. I mean, he he, he couldn't have had any argument with that. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we here at United Rant wish our Liverpool supporting brethren well in their quests for personal redemption and some sense of peace in spite of uh, how shockingly bad Liverpool are. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I, I do anyway, I'm not sure Ed does. Uh, I, I, I thought uh, Sam Allardyce um, did very well to stick it to Rafa again and uh, he, he said no, he hadn't, uh, he hadn't yet taken the call from Pep Guardiola at uh, Barcelona but he was right, Liverpool are rubbish. <laughs> yes, uh, Big Sam doesn't doesn't love Rafa Benitez, and I think it's much love lost there, is there? Uh, no, there's some mutual hate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that I think probably does it for another episode of the Rankcast. See you next Thursday. See you next Thursday. <laughs>